approved my job, right? I applied for this job. I was going through the process. I made it to the end, and I didn't get it. But during that time, I realized that I was already blessed. You know, I took for granted during that time that I had just done um, a work review. And during that review of my job, I, I got exceeds expectations. And I completely forgot that that happened. Like, I literally was so focused on improving my job, getting a better job, that I didn't even think about that I got exceeds expectations. I also didn't even take for, I took for granted that my boss had the review in her hand and told me, I need your help with writing your review because I don't know what to put in this section for improvement. She literally was like, tell me what I need to put here because I have no weaknesses for you. I have no needs or, uh, needs improvement. And I took that for granted during the time of this trying to get a better job. I literally let that pass my mind, you know? And then when I didn't get the job, I was okay with it. And then I was like, wait a minute, I am blessed. I am favored at my job. Like my boss has literally told me, you are favored here. You know, like you have, you know, a successful career. Don't take it for granted. So my thing is don't take those little things for granted. You know, like you have a job, I have a job and it's a good job. You know, it's in my field, I'm blessed. So for those things, don't take your job for granted. If you don't like it, do something about it, you know? like that you are blessed there be excellent in everything that you do because you should stand out in your job you know it's a good thing you should exceed expectation in everything you do there so that is my thing for you your encouragement if you don't like your job do something about it you know no one put you there on purpose you, i mean no one makes you stay there and no one makes you be miserable you know it's you so change your mindset so that's my encouragement for you so i have isaiah Isaiah 58:11 The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. So let us pray. God, I just thank you, Lord, for the blessings in our lives, God. I pray that we not take it for granted, God, that we just embrace it, God, and do everything in excellence unto you, God. I pray that in our jobs, in our families, in every day that we live our lives, God, that we do it to glorify your name. And I just pray that people do not take for granted the blessings in our lives, no matter how small they may be to us, God. I pray that we embrace it, God, and we do things to glorify you. In your name, Jesus, amen. with us this morning. Come on, can somebody shout the name of Jesus? Say Jesus. Come on, say Jesus. We're going to sing the name of Jesus this morning. The name above every name. Come on, say. Say God is fighting for us. God is on our side. He has overcome. He has overcome. We will not be saved. We will not be
above your name, God. There is no God above you, Lord. There is no one above you, no one beside you. We worship you, Lord. Hallelujah. How many of you guys are glad that we serve and worship a God that is alive today? We worship you, Jesus, because when we call on your name, Lord, that when we lift up our voice to you, God, you come, Lord. Come on, I want to welcome you to the throne room today. I want to welcome you to the throne room of heaven. Through the Holy Spirit, we can experience God in a true, tangible way. So can you come into the throne room with us as we touch heaven today? Hallelujah. Holy Spirit, we welcome you into this place. We welcome you, oh God, to move and to speak, oh Lord, to fill us with your love, oh God.
that's what he wants to do this morning. He wants you to know that he's the sweetest of loves, that he wants your heart to be free in his presence. Can you say that one more time? I've tasted.
Let's thank him. Thank him. Say, I receive it, Jesus. I receive your love. I receive all your good. I won't push away from it. 
I'm taking a step closer. Jesus, we thank you for your goodness in our lives. And I pray that we will not be a hindrance towards that, but that we would receive it and live in it and rejoice in it, oh God. Come on, I feel like there's another word here today. Jesus. Come on, if you haven't been giving God your all, I want you to do it right now with hands lifted high. Say, God, I give you everything. I surrender everything. There's areas of my life that I'm holding on to, Jesus. Show me now. I want all of you. All of me for all of you. Hallelujah, Jesus. We love you. We thank you. We worship you, King of kings and Lord of lords. song one more time. I found a love greater. That's why we could stand here today and experience this love. Come on, let's sing it out again. He's made us alive. Come on. to be in your presence, oh God. We thank you for this great love. We thank you for the hope that you give. We thank you, Jesus, for finding us because we were lost. And we give you all the glory and all the praise and all the power here today. We glorify your name, Jesus. Be glorified and magnified in this service and the rest of this service, oh God. We glorify your name in our lives, King of kings and Lord of lords. Come on, give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time. He is worthy of our praise. There is no one like him. There is no one like our Jesus. Come on. Hallelujah. Praise God. You can greet your neighbor in front behind you, and you can grab your seat this morning. Praise the Lord. How many of you guys excited you came to church today? There's nothing greater than being in the presence of God. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. Praise God. Woo! I'm going to preach the gospel to you this morning. For those that may not know who I am, my name is Nancy Wyrostek. I'm one of the apostolic elders here. We're so thankful that you joined us for service. 
this message that I'm going to preach to you from Matthew 13, 44 is for those of you today who are not right with God. The Bible says that unless you're born again, you cannot enter into the kingdom of heaven. You cannot go to heaven unless you have been born of God. And in Matthew 13, 44, it says the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure. Somebody say treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, went and sold all he had and bought that field. And I want to let you know that the kingdom of God has come to you today. If you've been running away from God, I want to ask you, stop running in Jesus' name. If you've been resisting God, if you've been trying to do it on your own, I want to let you know that the Bible says that today is a day for you to be saved. And like this man, when he found it, he hid it so that he could go and sell everything that he had, that he had so he could buy the whole field. That's what the kingdom of God should be like to you. You living for Jesus, this gospel message, this good news of salvation that Jesus came to die for your sin should make you want to give up everything, sell all you have in that sense of giving up everything in your life, surrendering God and saying, God, I give it all to you. Will you be that man? Will you be that woman that enjoy, will hear this message and be so excited to give it all up for God. That's what it takes. We will pay a price to live for Jesus. We're not entering into a religion. We are coming into a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And Jesus died to make that possible for us. And there is no greater relationship that we could have on this earth than to be in right standing with God, our Father in Heaven. So with all eyes closed all across this room, I want you to think about your life, and if you're not right with God today, I plead with you, get right with Jesus today. Ask him to forgive you of your sins. Say, I surrender. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it all away, Jesus, so I can follow your path. And as I begin to pray, I just want you to come into agreement with my prayer and make a commitment to follow Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this day. I thank you for every single person in this room that has the opportunity to hear the gospel message of salvation. I pray that they will not take it for granted, but that today they would take a hold of it and never let it go. I pray that they would ask for forgiveness. It is your loving kindness, oh God, that draws all men to repent. And I pray that they would repent today, turn from their ways, receive your forgiveness that comes through the blood of Jesus only. Be washed clean and come into new life in you. In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen and amen. Please stand up to your feet with me this morning. If you prayed that prayer and you mean business with God today, we're going to have some uh, prayer workers up here at the front. In just a few moments during our fellowship time, I want you to come to them and receive prayer and say, I want to get right with God, and I want to get plugged into this church so that I could be a disciple. We're here for you. We're going to confess our confession of faith right now. This is our Christian worldview. That's why we recite it together every single week is because this is how we see the world. So if you're with me, let's recite it together on the count of three. One, two, three. I believe in one God and creator who is the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. The Father who so loved the world, the Son who purchased my salvation in his death, burial, and resurrection, and the Holy Spirit who makes me new and abides in me forever. 
I believe in the perfect Holy Bible that reveals God's purposes and plans for my life. I believe in the second coming of Jesus who will judge the living and the dead. I believe in the eternal reward of believers in Jesus and the eternal punishment for all unbelievers in Jesus. I believe in the United Church of Jesus Christ built upon apostles and prophets, elders and deacons in which the gates of hell shall not prevail. I believe in the salvation for all mankind. It is by faith alone, in Christ alone, by God's grace alone, and for the glory of God alone. Amen. Come on, clap it up for Jesus. Spend some time fellowshipping. Meet somebody that you don't know. Come on.
Who's excited to be at church today? Come on, make some noise. Clap it up. Look to your neighbors. Say, I'm so glad you came. Look to your other neighbors. Say, keep on coming and don't stop coming. Praise the Lord. It's so awesome to see all of your beautiful faces here this morning. On behalf of all the leaders, we welcome you here to Metro Praise International. Thank you so much for being here, especially if this is your first time. We want to keep encouraging you to come and invite your friends and your family. Our services here at MPI are every Sundays at 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. This is our family service. We have King's Kids in the back for children, infants to 11 years old. And then we have Elevate Fridays at 7 p.m. That's for students 11 to 18. God is doing awesome things in the lives of our young people, and we're so pumped to see more come to know Jesus. So how many of you guys are excited about PR Fest that happened last weekend? We are still rejoicing in that. We're so thankful for everybody that came out to make it possible. And we want to show you a recap video. And I just got to brag a little bit because I'm so excited. We actually have one of the young men that was witnessed to last week here with us today. Adam, I don't want to embarrass you. If you could just raise your hand because he's in the video. So we... And I just want you to know you're going to be love-bombed today, okay? So he is here, and the awesome thing about that is a lot of us recognized him because he was being so rocked by God. And yesterday on the way here for our, some of our meetings, my husband and I were at the gas station down the road, which we never go to that gas station, and I recognized him, and I said, hey, are you this guy? And I'm like, you got to come back. He's like, yes, I want to come, and he is here. So I had to testify about that. Because God is all over this young man. So let's get excited. Let's rejoice at all that God did last weekend and what he's going to continue to do as we watch this video. Thank you. 
Come on, let's give Jesus a standing ovation. Come on. Come on, standing ovation for Jesus for all that he did. Jesus, you are good. Bravo, King Jesus.
We thank you, we thank you, we thank you. Woo! You may be seated. I had to do that. God is so amazing. The lives that were changed and transformed, the seeds that were planted, all of the people that were baptized, young and old, committing their lives, showing the world that they're going to live for God. What an amazing, amazing time. And just so you know, MPI will be doing the PR festival outreaches until Jesus comes back. So look to your neighbor and say, if you missed it, don't miss it next year. Come on. I want to announce to you guys that next week, uh, two weeks, I'm sorry, July 10th, two weeks from today, we're going to be having our All Nations Dinner. Who's excited to eat some good food? Come on. So we're pumped. It's going to be for both of our services, 10 a.m. and 1 p.m. You could go to the Facebook event page, click Going, and then we want to make sure that we're keeping track of all of the dishes. So Pastor Susie is the one to contact and let her know what you will be bringing. We simply need to know the name of the dish, a few of the main ingredients, and where it comes from, what nation it's representing. So we're really excited. All Nations dinners are very special to us. We get to celebrate all the different culture that makes up MPI, Metro Praise International. Come on. All the nations of the world coming together, worshiping one God. And so we want to celebrate our culture, our diversity. So bring a dish and come celebrate with us in two weeks on that Sunday. We want to announce to you guys regretfully our MPI summer retreat, as they get the slides switched over, is canceled. Okay? So we want to apologize on our behalf, on behalf of the leadership. We wanted to do it so badly, but between the outreach this year and all the soul-winning summer events that we had planned, we overcommitted, and so we had to take it back. We promised not to do that ever, ever again, but this is canceled. But the awesome thing is that now through your life groups, you guys can do these types of trips and different types of outings and really make it fun all throughout the year. And so we just really want you guys to stay encouraged and plug into those life groups and get connected so that you can be a part of all that's happening at any given moment. So look to your neighbor. Say, it's still a good day in Jesus. <laughs> All right, so Metro Praise is a vision, a strategy, a goal. Our vision is loving God and loving people. The reason why that is our vision is because those are the, those are the two greatest commandments that Jesus gave to us, and that's how we want to live our life. And our strategy is to connect you, to mentor you, and to send you out. We want to connect you to the church through our life groups. We want to mentor you through our 101 and 201 books. Then we want to send you out to evangelize, to win the lost for Jesus. And our goal is to have 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. How many of you guys excited to be a part of a vision like that? Come on. It's time to get connected. If you have not connected yet to MPI through our life groups, I want you to turn your hand out around, look at the different types of life groups that we have for this quarter, and find a place to get connected to. Kicking it off today, we have our single moms meeting. Child care is provided. They're getting together at 530. The address is right there provided for you. Wednesday this week, King's Kids, infant to 11 years old, 630 here at the church. It's going to be an awesome time. We're having a graduation ceremony for our boys and girls clubs. They've worked hard so, um, so hard throughout the year, and we're going to celebrate all their efforts, and they're going to give us a special presentation. So this Wednesday is going to be wonderful. Thursday this week is our gang outreach, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. Meet them there at that address. Hit the streets and preach the gospel to the lost. How many of you guys know Chicago needs Jesus? in every way possible. And then we have two adult Bible studies available for you guys to attend. One at the Govea's house, the other one at the Vivids, 18 years and up, 7 p.m. 
Be there if you're an adult. Get encouraged throughout the week. Recharge. Build friendships in the church. Get uh, encouraged through the word of God and get that fellowship going. And then Saturday, the ambassadors, 11 to 18, 1 p.m. here at the church, rocking it out for Jesus. Look to your neighbors, say, get mentored. We want to mentor you here at MPI. We believe very much in discipleship. We have the 101 book that we have that's called Welcome to Your New Life. This book you will go through with one of our leaders here who will come alongside of you, encourage you in your walk with God, and really challenge you to be all that God has called you to be. When you graduate the 101, you'll get into our 201 class, Disciples That Make Disciples, and we make disciples here, guys. Come on. How are you guys excited about that? That's what God told us to do. And so we want to disciple you. That's a class. Once you get there, we'll train you to be a leader so that one day you could be ordained as an elder or a deacon here. And then we want to send you out to continue to do evangelism on the streets, preach the gospel to the lost. So every Saturday from 5 to 8, we're hitting the streets. We meet here. And we're just preaching the gospel in every different type of neighborhood, street corner you can think of because we want to plant those seeds. And so if you want to be trained or if you want to be more bold in your witness for Christ and you don't really know how to do it, meet them here. Marines for Jesus, okay? That's what we're called to do. Jesus said go and we want to go. So in recap, vision, strategy, and goal, a vision of loving God and loving people, strategy to connect you, mentor you, and to send you out, and then a goal of 100,000 disciples in Chicago with 50 churches here and 500 around the world. Can I please get a hallelujah for the glory of God? Come on. Who's excited to give their tithes and offerings today? Praise the Lord. We're going to be in the Disciples Giving Book, Section 2, Lesson 12 today. Here at MPI, we believe that a tithe is 10% of our total income given to the church regularly, and we designate an offering that is above the tithe towards missions and towards our building fund. And so we want to encourage you guys to keep being faithful to God. Keep that generous heart uh, going for what God has called you to do. So we're going to turn our attention now to the lesson, lesson 12. Offerings are given by the grace of God. Somebody say grace. It's all about that grace, about that grace. It's all about that grace, about that grace. You guys remember that sermon series? Come on. We got a little chant for everything here. <laughs> Definition of offering is the offering is a gift to God after our tithe. 2 Corinthians 9.14 is where I will be reading from. 2 Corinthians 9.14. And in their prayers for you, their hearts will go out to you because of the surpassing grace God has given you. Here are the three main points. Number one, grace. The biblical definition for grace not only refers to the forgiveness of sin, but also it can mean the divine favor and blessing of God to his people. Ooh, that's so deep. In regards to offerings, we should consider everything we have and give to be because of the grace of God. Everything that we do is because of God's grace. Not one thing, the air that we breathe, everything that we go through in life, giving, uh, God giving us his strength, the ability to give tithes and offerings, to make money, grace of God. Number two, surpassing grace. God loves to not only bless us with grace for our needs, but also to help meet the needs of others. So when we give offerings to support the ministry, we are displaying the overflowing and surpassing grace of God in our lives. And that is that favor, that blessing of God that comes through him. Number three, God gives grace. All that we have is because of God and his amazing grace. Therefore, just as we have freely received, we should freely give and be the answer to people's prayers for help. 
because of the grace displayed in our lives. Here's a summary. The grace of God meets our needs and gives us enough to help, other, uh, to help others in need. And let's apply this three ways. Number one, be a faithful tither. Put God first in all that you do, especially in your finances. Number two, acknowledge the blessings in your life given by the grace of God. And number three, live a life of generous giving by the grace of God. Somebody say grace. Come on, let's confess this over our life on the count of three. One, two, three. The offering is a gift to God after the tithe and is given in a variety of ways. God said it should be a generous seed given with a cheerful heart from personal sacrifice. Offerings will always bring thanksgiving to God towards charity and ministry supplies. We give offerings in obedience to God's word, sharing with others our blessings with a gracious heart by imitating Jesus and revealing where our treasure really is. Please stand up to your feet as we prepare to give the Lord our tithes and offerings this morning. We want to give God our best. This is an extension of our worship unto him. Again, a tithe is 10% of your total income given regularly and faithfully to the church. Anything above your tithe, something extra that God puts that amount on your heart to give is designated towards missions and towards our building fund. And I just want to encourage you on the envelope, if you could look at the different categories, just put the specific amount that you want to go towards each one. Here at MPI, there's four ways that you could give. Number one, in the bucket during the offering. Number two, in the wall-mounted drop boxes in the back there. Number three, in the back with a credit or debit card. You can see Pastor Griselda if you have any questions about that. And number four, you could go online and use Chase Quick Pay, PayPal, or a bill pay at mpichurch.org forward slash giving. Very easy, convenient. I want to let you guys know this uh, new soul-winning summer. This is our slide. Come on, check out the dates for the rest of the summer. God's going to do awesome things. That's how much we've raised so far, $2,457. God is on the move. You guys are doing awesome. And we just want to encourage you guys to pray, to partner, to give if you haven't done so already because we're going to win Chicago and the world one soul at a time. So we thank you that we could all come together in our generosity and passion for God to see souls saved and transformed this summer. Let's recite this together, Philippians 4.19. And my God will meet all your needs according to his glorious riches in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. God, we thank you so much for your grace upon our lives, your divine favor, your blessing. Nothing, God, in this world has been given to us apart from your grace. And so we thank you for the ability to work and to co-labor with you on this earth so that we can see your kingdom come, Lord. And I just pray that you bless the gift and the giver to get today. Multiply it for your glory. And I ask, oh, Lord, that you would uh, bless them and prosper them on their jobs. Give them increases, raises, promotions. God, open doors of employment for those who are looking for work. I pray that we would work hard, that we would be uh, blessed to be a blessing. In the mighty name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Please come forward as you give this morning, and we thank you so much for your generosity.
Amen. How many are happy to be in the house of God? Make some noise. Amen. Open up your Bibles with me right now to the book of Corinthians. How many are ready for spiritual disciplines today? Can I get a what, what? Amen. We are in the middle of a sermon series right now called Spiritual Disciplines. Today we're going to be talking about scripture memorization, which I know may not sound that fun, but it is going to be a lot of fun. Open up your Bibles with me to the series text, which is 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24, rather. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. And I want you to look at your neighbor when you can and say, thank you for being here today. On a hot summer day, you decided to come to church Sometimes, you know, things will dip in Sunday attendance in churches, but we generally keep growing and going, and I'm so thankful for that today. Can I get a what, what? Y'all, the real deal. Y'all don't get discouraged. You come out. You know why? Because we got to thank God for his creation. And if I got to put 20 fans up in this place, I will keep it cool for you guys. Amen? That's why I got my two right here, because otherwise I'll just melt and become a sweaty mess, a sweaty mess. But I got these stationed all for you guys. I thought to myself, where would I want a fan if I was in this place? Are we doing decent right now? Have you put on your deodorant? Is it, are you going to make it? Okay, amen. All right, let's look at 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. This is Paul writing, Do you not know that in a race all the runners run, but only one gets the prize? Run in such a way as to get the prize. Somebody say, I want to be a winner and not a loser. Amen. Listen to this. Paul says, don't you know when they run, they run to get a prize? Run in such a way that you get the prize. Verse 25, everyone who competes in the games goes into strict training. Everybody say strict training. Thank you. That's where we get discipline from. The idea that you're just going to show up at the Summer Olympics and win something is ridiculous. You better train before you get there. Some of these people have been training their whole lives. Now as Summer Olympics are coming closer, they are in intense training. They are dieting. They are doing all of their physical exercises. They are doing mental exercises. This is the example that Paul is giving us. Remember, Olympic Games go way back in time to their time. And they are running hard just like we would run hard to want to win. They were competing. They were going to strict training. And some of them would fight gladiators. How many know if your life's on the line, you're going to really practice? Amen. Like you miss a three throw, you know, like Curry and some of those guys who lost, you know, you start missing shots. You don't die at the end of that match. These guys would die. Some may say strict training. Now listen here. They do it to get a crown that will not last, but we do it to get a crown that will last forever. There's the application. There's runners who run. We need to run for Jesus. There's people who compete and go into strict training. We need to compete against ourselves and the devil, this world, and go into strict training to get a crown. Their crown doesn't last. Our crown does. How many want a crown from Jesus on that day? Amen. On judgment day. I believe that. Therefore, I do not run like someone running aimlessly. I do not fight like a boxer beating the air. No, I strike a blow to my body and make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself will not be disqualified for the prize. Look at your neighbor and say, don't get disqualified. Don't get disqualified. Don't foul out of this game because this is the game of life. This is where your eternal soul is at stake. For those of you who want to know what spiritual disciplines are, spiritual disciplines play a part of our spiritual growth. We did a sermon series uh, after Easter called Spiritual Growth, and it's about knowing, showing, and growing. Everybody say knowing. Everybody say showing. Thank you, and everybody say growing. 
The showing part is a spiritual discipline. Now, let me give you the example here. You start off by knowing God, knowing that he is your God and Savior, knowing that you share in his divine nature, that you were born again, and knowing that you can do all that God called you to do. Everybody say faith. That is the start of the Christian walk. That's the only way you can be a Christian is by knowing who Jesus is. He's not just a good man. He's the God man. He wasn't just a martyr. He was our Savior. Hello, somebody. You believe that you can be born again, changed on the inside. You're not just a body. You're a soul and a spirit on the inside of that body, and that you can do all that God commanded you to do. Commands are not wishes from God. Well, I wish they would do this, and I wish they would do that. No, it's commands. God commands what he expects, and he's going to inspect what he expects. Can I hear an amen to that? Thank you. So now you start off knowing Christ. You get born again. Now what happens? You start showing that you want to live for Jesus. you got to put some uh, walking to your talking. And these are spiritual disciplines. You're going to read your Bible. Keep your family in order. How many have enjoyed those messages thus far? You're going to memorize Scripture. We're going to talk about that today. Get rid of stinking thinking. You're going to soul journal. Write down what God's doing in your life. You're going to pray and worship. You're going to be a disciple and live like Christ. Number seven, you're going to serve and be a Christian, wherever you go, whether it's your job or your community, you're going to participate in public evangelism. You're going to meditate on God's word and be in his presence. You're going to keep your finances in order because the Bible says the love of money is the root to all sorts of evil. And you can't serve God and money at the same time. Can I get a what what to that? Come on, somebody. And then Christian fellowship, choosing the right friends. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. And then lastly, be a part of the church because Jesus said, I'll build my church and the gates of hell won't prevail. You want God to build your business, build his business, and his business is about the church. Hey. Now, what happens when you know and show? You start to grow. You grow in things. You grow in your character. You grow in goodness. You grow in knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, mutual affection, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness. So as a Christian, you should always be growing in your character. But how do you grow? Do you just go to the apple tree of growth and just grab it and eat it and now I'm good? No. You have to show that you want to grow. You have to give God something to work with. Give him that body of yours. Give him that mind of yours. Give him your life and love him with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Somebody make some muscles up in this place and say strength. Come on, say strength. Amen. You love God that way. That's how you please him. So what does it look like another way? When you're born again, new birth. Somebody say new birth. You're saved and sanctified, made like Christ. Spiritual growth is knowing, showing, and growing. Growing like Christ. Somebody say grow like Christ. And then renewal and transformation is when you see those things change in your life. Somebody say, think and act like Christ. Thank you. That is reflecting the image of God. The Bible says, but we all, with an open face, beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord. How many can see the glory of the Lord right now in your life? You can see the glory of the Lord by those things at the end here. Goodness, knowledge, self-control. We behold with an open face as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed. Somebody say, I'm changed into the same image from glory to glory even by the Spirit of the Lord. I right now am going from glory to glory to glory, being changed into the image of Christ. I'm not going from glory to glory like, oh, that's gory. That's nasty. No, I'm not going from a nasty life to a good life to a nasty life to a good life. No, I'm going from good to better to best to glory. 
Are you listening? Glory to glory to glory. I don't want to go in a circle of repentance. Well, God, I love you today, but I may backslide and sin with you and hang out with the devil a little bit. But now I feel lonely and I'm so scared. And Jesus, I need you. Forgive me. And maybe I might go back to the devil again because I need to look at some perverted stuff on the Internet. But, Lord, I feel so convicted now. I don't want to go around the merry-go-round of sin. I don't want to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. I want to go from glory to glory to glory. I don't want to be so earthly-minded that I am no heavenly good. I want to be so heavenly-minded that I am of earthly good. Hear that again. I don't want to be so earthly-minded that heaven can't use me on this earth. I want to be so heavenly-minded that God can use me to change this earth. I want to touch heaven and change earth. His king, he, this is what he told me to pray. I don't know about y'all, but I read the Lord's Prayer. Amen. It's my prayer today. Not some religious thing that Father Tom said. This is the cry of my heart. May your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Start right here in this earth, this body made of dust and clay. Hello, somebody. Point to your heart and say, right, cheer, Jesus. Now you got to go back to what we're talking about today. Remember, spiritual disciplines is our showing of the Christian faith so that we can grow. Today we need to learn about scriptural meditation or memorization. We need to learn how to memorize the scripture. I want you to think about why this is so important because I can already hear the thoughts of some of you. I'm not good at that. I'm not very smart. Why should I have to memorize the Bible? Isn't it already written down? Hey, I want you to listen to this. You're all thinking about something, aren't you? See, scripture memorization is going to get rid of stinking thinking. Everyone battles negative thoughts. I'm ugly. I'll never get a good job. I'm a terrible person. I'm a sinner. I can never change. How many have ever battled with thoughts like that? However, what separates people who trust in God and please God from those who don't is determined by their trust in God's word. It's up to you if you want to get rid of the stinking thinking up here. You've got to take God at his word. Look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. I'm going to work the word today. Somebody say, work it. Come on, I'm going to work it. Come on. Because my preaching bring all the disciples to the yard. My preaching is better than yours. Come on. <laughs> I can't even believe I said it. I just wanted to be silly. It's summer. Let's have fun, right? Hebrews 11, 6. My preaching brings the disciples to the yard. My preaching is better than yours. But mm, 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 mm. I'm going to work the word today. It feels right. It may be wrong later when I get home and talk to my wife, but right now it feels right. It feels right up here to say that to you. Because I want to please God and I want to work and twerk the word today, man. We're going to get rid of dirty minds and Miley Cyrus and crazy stuff. You know, we're going to get on Jesus today, man. Little Missy, is that the one who sing My Milkshake? Nobody knows it. Don't worry about that. She's going to hell anyway. She needs Jesus. Amen. Lord, save her soul. And we were all lost like that at some point, weren't we? But look at this. And without faith, it's impossible to please God. You can't please God in unbelief. So think about this. People who say, well, if God is real, have him show, my, have him show himself to me. Uh, you are going to hell with that attitude. You are not ever going to hear God talk to you. God won't talk to you on that. See, God does not prove himself to unbelievers. He says those who think that way are a wicked and perverse generation. They demand signs to believe. Did not Jesus say that? But those who come to God and please him start with faith. Now, how much do you need? Do you, do you need a whole bucket full of faith? Do you need like a, a watermelon-sized faith? No, he said if you just have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can start pleasing him. 
And so when I was on drugs, a high school dropout, my mother was preaching to me the gospel. I had so many questions, so many doubts, whatever. But I could at least hear that and put my trust in him and go, I can believe you this much. I can believe you this much and see that faith begins to grow. See, that's what we're talking about. you got to start having faith in God and his word. Otherwise, you'll keep on thinking the way you're thinking. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must first believe that he what? He exists and that he does what? Rewards those who earnestly seek him. The two ways you please God is, number one, believing he exists. The fool says in his heart there's no God. And like Mr. T, I what? I pity the fool. Amen? This is what a fool says. This is what a fool says. Just give me the miracle of something coming from nothing. Just give me the miracle of life coming from non-living things. And just give me the miracle of consciousness from dirt and clay and brain. Give me that, and then I will explain all the rest through our science. See, that's a fool. Science can't explain anything without the foundation of God. Scientists can't even do science without a conscious soul, yet they can't explain where it came from. Scientists who want to study evolution and changes in biology can't even do so unless they explain where life came from. And we wouldn't even be here unless we can explain or understand why there's something rather than nothing. So the very first way we come to God is not in pride asking him to prove himself. The way we come to him is say, God, I believe in you, and I believe you reward those who diligently seek you. So go back to the notes here. So what's going to separate your thought life between those who please God and those who don't? What's going to make you one that pleases God? is you believing in faith right now. God is real, and he'll reward me if I seek him. God is real, and he'll reward me if I seek him. On my job, if I start thinking about God and believing he's with me, and I believe he'll take care of me, he will start to do that. God proves himself over and over and over again to those who put their trust in him. Oh, I didn't hear an amen on that. It's time for me to sing you a song. Oh, how sweet to trust in Jesus. Y'all ain't even ready for this because I got to get some amens on that. that. That's not even a deep thing. I didn't even say a deep thing. I didn't even say the four horsemen of the apocalypse. One is Donald Trump. One is Hillary Clinton. I didn't even say that. Some of y'all might have to stop and think about that. Well, really, are they the four horsemen of the apocalypse? They are pretty all crazy. But I didn't even say this is what I simply said. The more you trust Jesus, the more he proves himself to you over and over again. And I still ain't got an amen on that. I don't know if y'all like to say amen or what, but I'm going to keep saying it till you say amen because I, I want a church to help me preach. I'm going to say it again. If you, if just believe it today because the preacher believes it. Start there. Just believe it because I believe. I've already seen God prove himself to me for 20 years. If you haven't lived that long, then believe it because I'm believing it right now. And then believe it for yourself. So I want people who have really experienced this to say amen with me. How many of you believe God proves himself over and over again to those who put their trust in him? See, he doesn't prove himself to foolish people who don't believe in him. He proves himself to those who put their trust in him. And he does it over and over and over again. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus just to take him at his word. Just to rest upon his promise and to know, thus saith the Lord. Let's say Jesus. Jesus, Jesus, how I trust him, how I've proved him o'er and o'er. 
Jesus, Jesus, precious Jesus, oh, for grace to trust him more. How many believe in Jesus today? Amen. How many want to prove him at his word day by day? Modern psychology right now shows, and I have the link there as always, our notes are online. Modern psychology shows that the best way to combat negative thoughts is by replacing them with new positive thoughts. Let's do this as a thought experiment right now. I'm going to say red ball, and every time I say red ball, you try to stop thinking about a red ball. Red ball. There's a red ball in my backyard. My kids like to pray with the red ball. Red balls are fun. Red balls are cool. They're not brown balls. They're red balls. Now, as I was saying red ball, how hard was it for you to combat it just by saying to yourself, I'm not going to think about a red ball. I'm not going to think about a red ball. It's hard, isn't it? Because all you keep trying to think about is not thinking about what you're thinking about. What happens is what you focus on more grows. And so the way you fight these negative thoughts in your mind is not by just saying I'm going to ignore them and not think about them because what will happen is you will actually create more of a situation. They will grow and they will become stronger and then that becomes our fears, anxieties, and worries. So how do you you get rid of those thoughts is you replace them. You replace them. So while you're thinking about a red ball, the best way to combat the red ball is for you to think about something else. That's why when people were getting interrogated in the military, they taught them tricks to focus their mind on something else and not be distracted by what the people were saying. And so when you're by yourself and you start worrying, how am I going to pay my bills? What's going to happen to my children? What if one of them is sick? Oh, we have to go to the hospital. What if we get bad news? Or, or what, my, what is my neighbor doing? Sometimes you wonder what your neighbors are up to. Are, you, are they crazy? Or what's going on? I'm not even going to tell you the thoughts my wife and I have had about our neighbors because then you will pray for me and think I'm weird. But we've had some really, like, sketchy neighbors before. And we're like, Lord, we don't know what's going on over there. But, uh, Lord, help us. Help us to be safe in our home, you know. But here's the thing. If you start meditating on your fears and all of that, then that will grow. Your fears will grow. But if you learn how to bounce your thoughts and replace them, you will stop catastrophic, fearful, worryful thinking, and you'll start thinking on the things of God. Now, positive people will tell you this, or the PMA people of the world, positive mental attitude people, uh, Oprah Winfrey, the secret type stuff, will say the same kind of thing. But here's the difference. The word of God is more powerful than anything this world can offer. Can I show that to you, and then I'll give you some examples. Go to Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, please, to understand the difference of the word of God as opposed to just positive thinking. For the word of God is what? Alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitudes of the heart. Attitudes of the heart are judged by the word of God. So let's go back to this example. How do we replace our negative thoughts? So let's say you worry and and, and a thought comes to your mind. How am I going to pay the bills this month? And you start to think to yourself, I don't know if I can pay the bills this month. And that thought comes in. You bounce that thought and replace it with, I'm just going to start praising God for all that he's already done for me. God, I thank you for my health today. I thank you for my job. I thank you for my car that I'm driving in right now. I thank you for my family. You see, what you do is you bounce and transform that thought. This is how you combat negative thinking. The power of the word is in your confession and in your meditation. Are you with me? But here's the problem. Many of you don't know the word like that. So all you know how to say is, Jesus loves me, this I know, for the Bible has told me so. 
That's all you know how to say. And then to your children, I love you, and you love me, and we're a happy family with a great big hug and a kiss from me to you. Won't you say you love me too? That's all you know how to say because y'all haven't taken the time to memorize the Scripture. So what you have in your thoughts is really your opinion versus your opinion, and that's why you're not getting free. Many of you have worry defeating you because your worry is stronger than your little uh, positive thinking, and you need to involve the Word of God because the Word of God will come like a sword and defeat your worry. The battle isn't you versus yourself. The battle is God's word versus your yourself. The word of God submits your flesh. The word of God will submit your thinking, thinking. Are you listening? You're not fighting the battle against yourself by yourself. It's the very word of God that created everything in the universe. Look at Hebrews chapter 1 verse 3. A lot of Hebrews you can see today. Ha Hebrews chapter 11 verse 3. Look at this because some people are like, well, I don't know if this stuff works. Well, first of all, it will never work for you because you're doubting, right? Does everybody get that principle? You don't walk on water in unbelief. You walk on water with faith in Jesus. You stop having faith in Jesus, you don't walk on water. How many remember the example of Peter? By faith. Somebody say, by faith. By faith, we understand that the universe came from a big bang millions and millions and millions of years ago out of nothing, and then over billions and billions of years, it formed itself into a little amoeba, and then from the zoo to you, that's how you came. Is that what it says? By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. Your world was not created by what you see in this world. This computer did not create itself. It had a creator. If this computer could have intelligent life but no video camera, it would never find its creator here. It would have to look outside of itself to see how it came to be itself. Y'all up this afternoon? Come on. Your creator is not made out of matter, space, and time. He made matter, space, and time and is outside of it, spiritual in nature, yet he can come into it and involve himself in it, but you have to open your eyes, open your heart, and see your creator. This is what God is telling you to do in your mind. Your thoughts are framing realities to you. If a girl looks at herself in the mirror and says every day I'm fat and ugly and I'm fat and ugly, she could look like the most beautiful woman in the world to all of us here. But if she believes that and has told herself that long enough, that is the reality in which she lives in. How does a junior higher commit suicide? You've heard about it, bullying, all of these tragic things, but why? Because the bullying went from the outside to the inside and to her own heart and confession of who she was. They say I'm worthless, I'm worthless. They say I'm ugly. I'm ugly. How does a millionaire take his own life like Robin Williams? He believes a lie, and he says the lie long enough and loud enough, and he deceives himself. Sometimes the lies that are biggest and the baddest, the ones that we tell the most, are the ones we tell ourselves. And so you may not be a suicidal child or a businessman or an actor today, but today how many lies do you believe? How many things are you forming in your consciousness? How many things are you forming about how you see yourself in the world but hasn't come from God? And God is saying, if you have faith in me and you have faith that I reward those who seek me, I can transform your universe, your perspective, your world, because I already made all that is.
Is it so hard for God to tell a young person, you're not a gangbanger, you're a son of the king, you can get an education and get off the streets? Is that harder for God or was it harder for to make the entire universe? You see, God's power knows no bounds. The universe is already here and created. It is easy for God to say this is true. How does a gangbanger go from being in gangs to being a youth pastor of our church now reaching out to gangs? Because Jesus said, have faith in me. If I created a universe out of nothing, I can create a new man out of you right now. When God does this, he does it by his power and he does it by his word. In the beginning, look at Genesis chapter 1 verse 3. If you don't remember the story, how did it all get here? In the beginning, in the beginning, John, uh, Genesis chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was formless and empty, just like some people's lives. Hello. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, just like darkness is over some of people's hearts. Hello. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters, waiting to do something. The Spirit of God hovering over this place right now, waiting to do something in your dark, formless, empty life. And God said, let there be light. Bam, and there was light. Do I believe in a big bang? Yes. God said it. Bang, it happened. And God is now saying, I give you that same power. I give you that same authority. Speak my word over the formless situations of your life. Speak my word over the emptiness of your soul towards your future or towards your present circumstances. I know it feels formless sometimes. Hello, somebody. I know we feel empty sometimes on the inside. And sometimes we wonder where God is. But God is there waiting for us to speak his word so that he can work that word in our lives and do what no man can do. Produce light where there was darkness. Life where there was death. Hallelujah. A future. A destiny where there was once pain and hopelessness. See, our God is a good God. Our God is a good father. And every good and, good, good and perfect gift comes from him. And you see, today we need to understand that there's power in the word of God. Studies show, my friends, studies show. This is not even just taken by faith, though we can have faith before the studies came, but now we have the evidence to back up our faith. Studies show that memorizing the Bible has profound effects on people's lives. Those who memorize and meditate on Scripture over a period of time are more happier and mentally healthier with relationships with God and others. A study by Dr. Meyer with seminary students over three years in his book, Renewing Your Mind in a Secular World, showed that those who were most unhappy in life and had the most significant mental health issues, these were seminary students, did not make any time to meditate and memorize Scripture. Those who had the best results, a happier life, less stress, had made a practice of memorizing the Bible for a minimum of three years every day. And even though the benefits came quickly, it was years of daily practice. How many of you have been practicing telling yourself negative stuff every day? Some of you have the same broken record every single day. I'll never change. I'll always be like this. My family is not a good family. Look at how crazy my kids are. You, what you're doing is you're just speaking over them death. And then you come to a church like this, and I tell you I'm blessed and God's with me, and you think what I'm saying is, is that I don't have any problems. No, what you're not understanding is we both have problems, but I'm speaking God's word to my problems so that I can experience his power. See, both of us have problems. But one of us is speaking the word. That's the thing that every Christian has to understand. God will not come to you based on pity. God will come to you based on faith. 
If it was based on pity, then Jesus would have been in India. Jesus would have been all over the world just traveling around healing people. But he was a man for the Jewish people because the Jewish people had been faithful to not be pagans. And they had been faithful and he was they were the chosen ones. And that's why he came to them. And so even when the pagans came, he said, I didn't come for this yet. But they, when they had faith, they got their miracle. But you have to understand, he came first for the Jew. Are you listening? And then anybody who wants to have faith as an Israelite can receive the blessing of Jesus. Jesus wasn't walking around feeling sorry for people. Jesus was telling people, I'm the way, I'm the truth, I'm the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So that was it. You decided if you took him at his word. If you looked at Jesus and saw just a 33-year-old man, maybe with a little bit of acne. The Bible says he wasn't beautiful in any way for us to want to look at him and say, oh, that's a God man. No, he might have a little acne, dirty beard, some leftover hummus stuck on his beard or something. He might have been smelling, uh, you know, we know John the Baptist ate wild locusts and honey. Hello. Wearing camel skin. We don't know what Jesus looked like, but we know the Bible specifically says when we saw his form, there was nothing comely about him. He would have fit in right in this crowd. He didn't look as good as somebody like Ishmael right here. Ishmael always stands out in the crowd. You see, you could have looked at Jesus and only saw the man but missed the God in the man. Hello? You can hear me preaching today and all you hear is Joe's words and you're missing what God is telling you. Because God is wanting to speak to your heart and give you the word and have it cut apart your thoughts. God wants to cut some thoughts out of your life. God wants to cut habits out of your life. God is wanting to transform you, but he has limited his power. God could do it without you, but he has limited his power to do it with you. So if you do not let God in to transform your mind, he will not do it. He will not do it. There's no other way. Is anybody here today? If you want more resources on this, Dr. Dr. Carolyn Leaf has great books and videos that you can study, that she has taken time to, to look at all the neuroscience in the world and bring it together and help us grow in our Christianity. But I want to show it from the Bible. Can I show it from the Bible? Go to Psalms 119, verse 9 for me. Somebody look at your neighbor and say, that was just the introduction. I got to get to preaching here. I got to get to preaching, okay? We got 20 more minutes to get this done. Somebody say it's tight, but it's right. Amen. It's tight, but it's right. You can say, oh, me, oh, my, but I would prefer if you say what? Amen. Can I get an amen for being in church today? Woo, I'm glad I'm in church. I'm glad I'm wearing shorts in church, though. <laughs> Praise God, I got sandals on in church. Thank you, Jesus, that he said, this is what he said, man judges on the outside, but God judges on the heart. Amen. Some of you thought I was going to say, he said, come as you are. He didn't say that. I wish he would have said that, but he didn't say. He said a lot of other cool things, but he didn't say that. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? Now, I want everybody to do in your Bible what I would do if I had a paper Bible. If you have one, do this. Just underline this word right here. How can a young person underline that and then underline purity? Because what I want you to see in Psalms 119 is the secret of success for whatever position you find yourself in for God's glory and for whatever goal you set your heart at. Let me give you an example. Here in Psalms 9, he says, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? The subject is a what? A young person. And what is their goal? Purity, okay? Now, if you're not a young person and today your goal is not purity, 
You can change in this, and trust me, I'm a Bible student. I would not lie to you. This is true hermeneutics. I am exegetically correct to tell you this. You can put in that subject anything you want. How can an old person stay on the path of purity? Because it's not going to be different for an old person for a young person. Are you with me? How can a married man stay on the path of purity? Okay. As well as you can change the subject, you can also change the goal. How can a young person, keeping the subject the same, stay on the path of success? How can a young person stay on the path of integrity? How can the young person stay on the path of prosperity? Whatever you want to put there. And now, if you look at this verse correctly, you can change the subject and the goal to be anything. Watch this. How can a married woman stay on the path of good motherhood? How can a businessman stay on the path of honest business? Are you guys tracking with me? How do I know that? Read the next part. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. Here's my point in saying all of that. Every person in this world, for whatever good goal they want to accomplish, will all come the same way by living according to the word of God. It doesn't matter who you are or what you are doing. This is how God tells you to do it, to accomplish it, by living according to your word. So write down right now who you are and what you want. Come on, write it down. Put it in your phone. Text it right now to me. I want to know what you want to be in this world. Who are you and what do you want to be? How can a single mom stay on the path of being a good parent? How can a married man stay on the path of keeping his heart pure and not lust after other women? Hello. How can someone same-sex attracted stay on the path of heterosexuality? Come on. How can a corrupt politician stay on the path of honesty? Switch them up because the solution is the same for anything you want to do in life. How can a pastor stay on the path of humility? Don't you want a humble pastor? Anything you see good in this Bible, you can put as that goal, and any person possibly you can think of can be put right here. And here is God's answer, by living according to your word. Young men, you want to be pure in life? Live according to God's word. Women, you want to be pure in life? Live according to God's word. Want to be successful? Whatever it is, live according to God's word. Now keep going as you've learned that principle. I seek you with how much of my heart? All of my heart. Thank you. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. What are memories? Memories are stored events of the past. Your memories are the language of your past. You have hidden them. You have stored them. You have put them on your hard drive. And God is saying, you need to delete some stuff and start putting my word in that hard drive. You need to delete some stuff out of your past. What is the difference between one man who goes into the military, fights wars, comes back with PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder, and the other one who doesn't? One keeps reliving the past, the horrors, the terrible things of their life. The other one starts focusing on the future, the ones that they have to take care of their family. Hello? What are you hiding in your heart right now? What is coming through your words? What are you meditating on? See, this is what the man said here, David. He said, I have hidden your word in my heart that I may not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord. Teach me your decrees. 
See, we're talking about a spiritual discipline. We're talking about strict training. This is not going to come easy, nor is it going to come natural. All of you are going to want to be lazy and say, well, I heard the preacher talk about it, yell about it for an hour, so I'm done with it. Well, that is as successful as you will ever be in the things you want in life. If you want God's blessing in your life, you must start living according to his word. And you better start asking him to teach it to you. You better start hiding it in your heart. In verse 13, with my lips, I recount all the players for the Cubs. With my lips, I recount all the stats for Stephen Curry. With my lips, I repeat all the things I hear on TV. Is that what it says? I wish I had half a church to say no. With my lips, I recount all that Oprah Winfrey taught me. With my lips, I recount everything that I see on TV. Now, with my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. There were 613 laws for the Old Testament Jew. Today, there's about 100 and some for the New Testament Christian. How many of those laws do you know and are you saying them? What he said here is, what, what David's saying here is, God, whatever comes from your mouth comes from my mouth. Whatever you say, I say. Memories are stored events of the past. You can start changing right now what you have been recycling through your brain by speaking new words over your life, by speaking the laws and the commands of God over your life. Your mind may remind you, you used to do perverted things, but God is telling you you're no longer a pervert anymore, but you are holy in God. Recount the laws of God with your lips. Let your ears hear from your voice the sounds of God. Let your words transform your life. They say that the baby loves the sound of its own voice. They say that when you hear your voice, there is a comfort that comes. That's why when people are nervous, they start talking to themselves. They get nervous. But you see, we can also scare ourselves. And what we need to do is start calming ourselves. We need to get into our car in the morning, look at ourselves in the rearview mirror, and say, God is with me. I am a mighty warrior, and I'm going to conquer everything before me today. I need to recount with my lips what he has said. I rejoice in following your statutes as Donald Trump rejoices and bragging about his riches. Look at what it says. I rejoice in following your laws as one rejoices in great riches. I'm happier to serve God than the rich man is to love his money. I meditate on your precepts. I don't meditate on tofu and yoga pants and the crooked chicken pose. I meditate on your precepts. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Nothing can separate me from the love of God. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I am the apple of his eye. I'm blessed coming and going. Hallelujah. <laughs> I can do it. Nothing's impossible when I put my faith in him. I meditate on your precepts and I consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Oh, yeah, I'll get my face off Facebook and put my face in your book. Hello. I'll neglect Facebook, but not your book. I'll neglect keeping up with the Kardashians so I can keep up with the spirit. Come on, somebody. I will. I will. I will put some effort in this thing. 
I will show where my heart is. I will discipline my lazy flesh that all it wants to do is watch ESPN. I will make it my slave and run a race to get a prize. Because I will not run aimlessly. Hello, I won't just beat the air. I'm going to win. This is how we win. We memorize scripture. We hide it in our heart. We download it. We preserve it. And we recite it. We meditate on it. We delight in it. And we don't neglect it. Here's some practical ways to memorize the Bible. And I can guarantee you, anybody here, other than having a learning disability, and I know some of you may have learning disabilities, and even God will help you with that, because you find your social worker, your doctor, and you ask them this one thing, will memorization improve my learning? If you have a learning disability, listen to me. They will say, absolutely. You learning and memorizing will improve every other part of your brain because the circuits are the same. But other than someone having a learning disorder, I want you to listen to me. You have no excuse. I was a high school dropout. I was on drugs, and I did them every day from 15 to 18. I was a stoner, dude. I talked like this and really slow all the time. And what's going on, man? That's how I was. But when I got saved, I read Psalm verse 1. Psalm verse 1, it said, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the way of the wicked or stand in the way of the sinner or sit in the seat of the mocker, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law does he meditate day and night. The moment I heard that scripture, Psalm 1, I said, man, the blessed man don't hang around with, with, with these people, don't do this, but what does he do? Meditates on the word of the Lord day and night. I said, I better start meditating on this word. And now today I probably know about 500 scriptures of the Bible. Over 20 years, 500 scriptures. There are some people who have memorized the entire New Testament, Old Testament. There are people who have done outstanding things, but all of us can start meditating on the word of God and memorizing it. Because as you know it is as you can confess it and as you can transform your life. Amen? Here's some helpful hints. It doesn't come easy to anybody. It's going to take discipline. It's going to take strict discipline. Does anybody remember what we read here at the beginning? It's going to go into strict training. That's what it's going to take. Here we go. Here's ten ways to do it. Choose a memory verse that speaks to something in your life right now. So you look at the Bible as you're reading it because you've got to read it. That was lesson one. And then you find something that speaks to you. You go, okay, God's showing me something here. And then you start small, and you just take one little chunk at a time. And so let me just show it to you, and then you repeat it. Let me just give you an example of how I would do this. Watch this right here. Watch this right here. Let me give you a, a good one here to start with. Matter of fact, let me go to the Psalm one right here. This is a good one. Right here, look at this. How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? So I read that, and I go, man, I get that. So now I start small. How can a young person... How can a young person, how can a young person, I'll repeat it, how can a young person, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Stay on the path of purity. I'm training myself. I'm saying, devil, I'm tired of reciting Little Wayne songs. I'm tired of reciting ESPN stats that do nothing for nobody. I'm tired of just thinking about negative thoughts. They say 80% of our thoughts are negative all the time. I'm going to put this on my brain. How can a young person, how can a young person stay on the path of purity? Stay on the path of purity. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. By living according to your word. By living according to your word. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I just memorized another verse today. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. I ain't beating the air. I'm beating my flesh. 
and I'm taking down that devil. Devil, you won't have me. You got to get serious about that. You got to get serious about How many want to get serious with God? Yeah. Write it down. Say it out loud. Incorporate the verse into your prayers. God, you said that if a young person wants to stay on the path of purity, that, Lord, they need to live according to your word. Lord, young people are in our city. They're living filthy, dirty, violent lives. I pray, God, that they will start living according to your word and staying on the path of purity. Lord, young people, they need to be on the path of purity. I pray that they live according to your word. Send out young people to preach to other young people to teach them about the path of purity so they can live according to your word. You say, that sounds like brainwashing. That's right. Your brain needs washing, my friend. Wash it with the word of God, crispy and clean. Amen. Get rid of your stinking thinking. Put it everywhere. Write it down on cards. Put it into your text. There's apps that will help you with this even. Use music to help you. Use music. Come on, get on that 808. Come on. Yes, you, sir. You, little old you. Now watch. This is such a thing that the devil knows. How many of y'all get songs stuck in your head and you're like, man, get that song out of my head, you know? I'm telling you. The other day I was singing, what's love got to do, got to do? And I'm like, dude, that is a dumb song. I'm like, because love ain't nothing but a secondhand emotion. And I'm like, no, it's not. Love comes from God. But that song was in my head transforming my reality, transforming my reality because it came to music. The devil knows that. That's why he gets us to hear these things you never would believe otherwise unless you heard it to music. Some of these lyrics that you guys listen to as young people, you would never believe those things if it didn't come to music. But you believe it because it comes to music. Put it up so loud that it rattles the house, please. I want to rattle. I want to scare people. Now give me a beat like you know how to drop a beat. Give it more. I want it to feel in my chest. A little bit lower, a little bit slow, a little bit slow. Give it comes. Make this. There we, I ain't feeling it rattle yet. I want it more. Come on, more. Mas, mas, mas. How can a young man keep the path of purity by living according to your word? Living according to your word. How can a young man keep the path of purity by living according to your word? Let me just slow it down. Come on. Keep it going. You keep it right there. Boom. Now put him up, please. I need to hear it rattle in my, my, my chest. Mm. There it is. How can a young person stay on the path of purity today? By living according to your word every single day, in every single way. Give me one of my rappers up here. Come on, put it to a melody. Just listen. It, it takes a bit, but you're going to come up with a better rhythm than me. Here's the best rhythm I got. Keep that going. Don't stop that and don't turn it down, please. Here's my best rhythm for this. This is a fast way. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. That was my best rhyme. Now watch. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. By living according to your word. That's a little better. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. By living according to, one more time, whoa. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. By living according to your word. Can you do it better than that? Okay. Uh, 
Okay, let's see. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word, living according to your word, living according to your word, living according to your word. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? By living according to your word. By living according to your word. Amen. Amen. You see, that's how we learn stuff. That's how we learn stuff. I can tell you from in Bible college, and I have a whole article here you could check out. I learned a whole passage of scripture from Hebrews chapter 11 from my professor. And I'll sing it because I don't care how it sounds, but I know it worked for me. Hebrews chapter 12, verse, verses uh, 1 and on. Listen. Wherefore, seeing we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us, and let us run with perseverance the race, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. I like that. And he sat down at the right hand, the throne of God. Where's that 808? Sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. So excited. That's how I learned that passage. Put it to music. Make it a game. Make it a game with your children. We learn it together as a family. Those of you who are parents, we learn it as a family. If you speak another language, put it in a different language. It will help you repeat it, repeat it, repeat it. Don't get discouraged. There's proven ways to do this. How many have ever heard of Alzheimer's, amnesia, all of these things? Science has told us the best way to prevent it is brain games. And a lot of brain games have to do with memory, memory. They'll put out those things like we did when we were a kid, you know, and you got to find the two that go together. You flip them all over. These are a lot of the brain games. Old people, they're telling them, do things with your brain. Play, play cross, crossword puzzles that recall memories. You know, what is this thing? Four letters. Okay, you know, this is neuroplasticity. We're finding out that the brain needs to be used to continue to stay healthy. And I also have brain exercises for you. Don't forget what God has given you. He's given you a brain. Can I hear an amen? Vinny, would you come please in closing? Look at Philippians chapter 4 and onward. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Is the Lord near? Yes, he is. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your request to God. You see, there's that thought replacement. Once these worries and fears come, replace them with prayer. Right? And petition to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your what? Your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Watch this. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I want you to see this in closing you got to filter your thoughts in life. Don't meditate and think on everything you think about. Like dreams, some thoughts are bad and some are good. 
You've got to filter your thoughts to become your meditations. Memorizing the Word of God teaches you how to cut the bad thoughts out and meditate on what God has. Look at that scripture. Whatever is true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, or praiseworthy. Start here at the top. See, when my wife and I were in an accident, she got back in a car and was nervous because a car ran a red light and hit us, right? So she started thinking when she was in the car, another car can hit us. So whenever a car would pass us or come to a stoplight, an intersection, she would, she would get scared. See? But here's the thing. She needs to filter that thought, doesn't she? Number one, is it true that she can get into another car accident? Yes, it is true. We're not telling you to deny the obvious. This is not trying to say mind over matter. I don't have any problems. No, no, no. What we're doing is speaking life to our problems. So watch. Is it true that my wife and I can get into another car accident? Yes. But as that thought filters, is it noble for my wife to think about a car accident every time she's in the car? So that's where that thought stops. She goes, yeah, I, I could get in a car accident today, but I'm not going to keep thinking about it because it's not noble. Keep tracking with me. Is it true that someone could come in here and have a mass shooting in this church? Yes. Is it noble for us as men and leaders to protect you from that, have security? Yes. Is it right to then put people in security around here to protect us? Yes. But is it pure for us men with security uh, detail to be thinking about mass murders while I'm in church. You see how that got stopped? So this is a word for police officers. Police officers, true, you need to stop bad people. It's noble to stop bad people. It's right to stop bad people. Is it pure in your heart to now become angry with every person you see on the street because you can't tell the difference between bad and good? See, what happens is you need to start guarding your thoughts. There are a lot of true things, noble things, right things, but not everything is pure. And so whenever it stops, you go, and the Word of God says, nope, don't think on that. You replace it with the Word of God. So instead of thinking about mass murders, I just keep praying, making supplication with the Scriptures I've memorized for the Lord to protect us here, for the Lord to put His angels around us. Do you get it? So when my wife's thinking about an accident and it's not noble to think about, what does she think about instead? The Word of God that she's, she's said to herself, that I can do all things through Christ. So she stops the thought where it becomes negative. And whatever is pure, lovely, admirable, look at this last one. It's like 2020 vision. Can you see the last line? What does it say? Can you read it in the back, Jared? Praiseworthy. There you go, 2020 vision, right? That's what you think about. What is worthy of God's praise on the day of judgment when he gives you a crown and says, well done, my good and faithful servant? What were you meditating on? What were you thinking about? What were you putting into your heart? Can I give you one more example before we go? Is it true that men and women are sexual creatures? Is it true that we're sexual creatures? Are you all scared to say amen in church now? Come on. Is it true men and women have sexual organs? It's true. Is it noble to think about it every day? If you're married, yes, right? Okay, only with your wife. Is it right to think about it with anybody else's wife or husband? No, right? See, you know the difference now, don't you? Where's a scripture for you to memorize for that if you struggle with lust as a married person? The Bible says that marriage should be honored by all and that there should be no sexual immorality or adultery because God will judge them. So you tell yourself, I'm going to honor marriage. 
I could do the same thing with single people. I could do the same. How, how about this? Is it true that every young person should obey their parents? Is it noble? Is it right? Is it pure? Is it lovely? Is it admirable? Are they going to receive praise from God and reward on that day? So par- uh, young people, think about obeying your parents all the time. See how that worked? And what scripture should they memorize to go with that? Children, obey your mother and father that you may live a long life, that it may go well with you. Can we stand up and give Jesus a hand clap of praise today? Come on. How many love him? Band and altar workers, please come. Here's a scripture to start memorizing today if you would like to. Here's a scripture. 2 Corinthians 10.5 in closing. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Can you move that for me, please? And make it captive and take it captive to make it obedient to Christ. We all have thoughts in our minds that we need to take and make obedient. Everybody say take and make. You need to take it and make it obedient. Take it captive and make it obedient. Take captive your thoughts, fathers, for your family, mothers, for your family. Take those thoughts captive and make them obedient to Jesus. Make your thoughts your slave. Every person here going through marriage troubles, take take captive those thoughts of discouragement and disagreement and contention. Take them captive and make them obedient to Jesus. I'm looking around today in closing because I know there's a lot of you today that if I could hear your heart, you would say, Pastor, this word's for me. Because I've been listening to you talk to me, especially last week I got to hang out with a lot of you. And a lot of you are just telling me, God is doing great things, but I still get tested. I still get tempted. Well, this is how you win. You've got to make time to memorize the scripture. Put it in your heart and take those other thoughts and make them captive. Amen. Can we just close our eyes right now and just think of some of the areas that we need to start putting the Word of God in our lives. Some of these thoughts we need to take captive and make obedient to Jesus. What are the three biggest thoughts of temptation that you get? Three thoughts right now that just kind of play over in your mind. Right now, take them and make them obedient to the Word of God. Think of three scriptures that apply to those areas. If you don't know them yet, write them down Talk to a prayer worker up here today before you go, and they'll get you scripture for it. So let me give you an example as you're thinking on yours. Some of you may need a little help. So my biggest thoughts of temptation, my first one would be perversion, you know? So what I have to do is take that thought captive of perversion and make it obedient to the word of God that says, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That word for me keeps me from perversion because Jesus don't cheat on us. Jesus don't lie to us. Jesus is not looking over at somebody else like the devil and saying, well, maybe I'll choose their side, these fallen angels and demons. No, no, no. God loves us, chose us, wants to be spiritually married to us in that sense. That's the example he gives us. So he says, you now, Joe, Joe, you love your wife as I love you. So when I'm tempted with perversion, as I meditate and remember that scripture that I've memorized, it now becomes a truth to me and I speak it out. 
I believe I'll do that until the day I die. And then you'll say, well, that's how he did 50 years of marriage. Yep, that's how I did it. See, right now i got to gain 50 years of experience. I've already got 11. Haven't looked at pornography since 96. Come on, somebody. Never gone to bed angry with my wife, though we've stayed up till 3 in the morning settling some problems. Help us, Jesus. But I'll tell you, that's one for me. Just keep thinking of yours. I'll give you some more examples of mine. Number two is anger for me. I get tempted to be angry. Where does anger come from? Pride, a feeling of disrespect, a feeling of you violated rights. The Bible does say there's an anger that you don't. Uh, the Bible says be angry and sin not. So there's an anger you can have and not be sinning in. We don't go to war laughing and giggling, right? But most of the time, this is a scripture that comes to me to diffuse my anger. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to be angry. God speaks that to me so often. Joe, you're not listening yet. You're, not, you're jumping to a conclusion. Be quick to listen. Listen. Don't speak yet. Don't speak yet. Be slow to speak. And now, Joe, take a hold of your anger. Take a hold of it. Control it. It's yours. Make it your slave. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to become angry. Another scripture is the one that we just read in uh, Philippians. Let your gentleness be evident to all. That has transformed how I raise my children. God keeps telling me, that's not gentle, that's not gentle, that's not gentle. And he corrects me. See, you take those thoughts and you make them obedient to the word. But you have to know the word to keep the word and to walk by the word. You can't neglect the word and expect it to work for you. You have to work it so it will work for you. One last one for me is jealousy. I'm giving you guys some time to pray. If you're talking to the Lord, don't listen to me, but some of you need help on this. Another one is for me, jealousy, jealousy. And a lot of this comes in the form of what other churches have, what other ministries have. I've been doing this a long time. Sometimes I feel like I should have more, do more, right? But then the Lord speaks to my heart. This is what he says to me. He says, if I be lifted up, I'll draw all people unto me. And so the Lord speaks to me from that and just says, if I lift him up, he'll draw the ones he wants here. And whatever he's drawn over there, that's between them and him. So I won't be jealous of what they have because I don't draw people. For some of you, you could say this as a scripture. The blessing of the Lord maketh rich and adds no sorrow to it. So Lord, if I don't have it yet, it's because it's not going to come the right way. If I try to buy it on my credit card, it's going to add sorrow to my life. God, if I try to switch jobs and do this another way, I'm not going to enjoy life like I am now. So, Lord, whatever I have is what you want me to have because when you make rich, there's no trouble that comes with it. It's not more money, more problems in the kingdom. Hello? Another scripture someone could use for jealousies? Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Lord, I'm going to keep seeking you. I'm going to keep seeking your kingdom, and all the good I need will be added unto me. All the good I need every day, every day will be added unto me. 30 more seconds, you and Jesus. Come on. You and Jesus. I want some of my altar workers to be ready to give me one thought you're taking captive with the word of God to make it obedient today. I want to get some examples from my leaders before we leave out today. Thank you for your patience. But I want, to, I want the, the church, you guys, have a few more moments on your own. Jesus. We go into strict training to win a crown. We're not saved by works, but we're saved to do good works. We beat our body, make it our slave. 
We'll start with my wife right now. What's a, a worry or a lie that you get in your mind, and how do you bring it to obedience in God's word? Amen. The one that I've been thinking about a lot is just dealing with different kinds of fears. And in Proverbs 31, 25, it says, um, she, uh, she is clothed with strength and dignity and can laugh at the days to come. So I don't, I don't have to worry about tomorrow. I don't have to worry about what's going to happen. I can laugh at those days because I know that God is in control. Amen. That's a good one. Let's get Jared. Give me a thought that you take captive to the word of God. I take captive the worry that uh, my family might not have enough to get by uh, during the summer when I'm not working for the school. And I remember Psalm 37 that says, I was once young and now I am old, but I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging for bread. Praise God. Amen. Rachel, what's a scripture you take? I thought you'd take captive with the scripture. Another fear that I have over my children that something scary can happen to my kids. And I just think of John 10 and 10. Jesus yeah. came that he may give us life and have it abundantly. Yeah. So I can see my children say they're going to have an abundant life because of Jesus. Yeah. How many mothers relate to having fears and anxiety about their kids? Raise your hands. Come on, speak that word, mothers, over your children right now. My children will have an abundant life of more than enough. Come on, mothers, fathers, speak it over your kids. Amen. Let's close out in prayer and worship today. Yes. Lord God, we thank you so much for your precious word. Well, Lord, I pray that every single one of us, Lord, will look to your beautiful word. And God, that we will look at it intently, Lord, and apply it and live it out, God. I pray for every struggles that people are going through right now, Lord, that they will take out the sword of your word, Lord God, and demolish those thoughts that will come against them, Lord. You said in your word, Lord, that your love removes all fear. So, God, I pray that we will receive your love and believe it, Lord God. I come against fear. I bind that in Jesus' name, Lord. We receive your love. You are a good father. Your word, oh God, has all that we need. I pray that we will believe it and receive it and, leave it and live it out in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you go in the power of the word. If you need prayer, come on up. Otherwise, we'll see you at Life Groups. Have a great week. We love you. Jesus. We're going to worship if you would like to sing some songs. Yes. To my soul. If you need prayer, come on up. today for Jesus.
best part, Jesus, I love you. Sing the next verse, Jesus, risen and exalted ones. Your name, let's sing it now like we mean it.
When you speak your word, it comes with the full authority of heaven. You don't give it in pieces. And you don't hide yourself to teach. God, the reason why you're not here yet is so that the world might be saved through faith. Judgment will come and all the world will see you. But that time has not yet come. We are still exiled from your garden, bringing forth people to the kingdom before judgment comes and you don't hide yourself even in the midst of our problems to tease us you do it so that our faith may be stronger oh Jesus one more time you don't give and you don't give yourself in pieces thank you God and you don't hide yourself Thank you. 